had a blast last week standing back in the first timers area. Um, one of our middle schoolers, um, seventh grade, he brought in like a like a, there was just a lot of people with him. And I was like, this guy got his fan club or whatever. And uh, I was like, who are these people? And this middle schooler was responsible for like seven people coming to church. And I went, you know what? I feel great about that, that we have a middle schooler. Um, and, and by the way, next week is a great week to invite somebody to church for the first time. Um, because we're starting a series on spiritual warfare. And I didn't tell the first service this. I don't think they could handle it. But y'all can handle this. Because um, y'all have sobered up from the loss last night. Um, and this, we're, we're going to open next week about, and, it's, and it's, it's a song about a certain spiritual being that went down to a state <laughs> with a fiddle. And that's all I'm going to say. Are y'all really opening with that? Well, it's not Highway to Hell. So, yes, yes, we are. <laughs> Give us time. Give us time. We'll get there. Um, if, if we were in a conversation, and I didn't know you very well, and you had to come up with a one-sentence description of who you are, you, you had to describe yourself. Now, this is difficult, but you had to describe yourself in one sentence. What would that sentence be? Like, what would you use to describe yourself? You, what would you use? Now, I want to help you. Because it's, it's difficult to think about that. So, so I'm going to give you some options. This first one I saw on a, uh, somebody's desk um, who works in our church. I'm not going to tell you it was Heidi, but um, it, it's, I'm not going to tell you it was her. But she has this sign on her desk, and I went, oh, wow, that's, a, that's an accurate description of, of myself and her um, and other people. Um, let me try this again. I'm a Christian, but I cuss a little. Uh, hold on. I'm a Christian, but I cuss a little. Anybody, this is you? Anybody, this is you? Okay. Hey, by the way, if you're brand new here, it's okay to be honest. I don't cuss. I, no, I know, but you invent other words that are actually wor worse than the words that other people use, okay? So I'm Christian, but I cuss a little. And that's, and that's fine. You get in the parking lot or whatever, walking in. I don't know, but you cuss a little. Now, now, now for this, this doesn't work for some people because the more accurate description would be, um, I'm Christian, but I cuss a lot. I mean, I mean, this is you. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a situational cusser, right? Like yesterday from 3.30 to 7. <laughs> how, how about this next one? This is a good one. This is the next one. Um, I'm saved, but barely, so don't mess with me. Anybody like that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to heaven, but when I get there, I'm going to be on the south side of heaven. You know what I'm saying? So let's just... When we could we could do this all day. We could come up with statements that accurately... We feel like accurately describe us. But I'm on, this next statement I want to put up, it's going to be a statement that... I would be willing to bet that most of us in this room wouldn't choose to describe ourselves. Like, like we wouldn't choose this. Now, some might, and, 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 maybe, and that's okay. But if you are given the option of describing yourself in one sentence, you would probably not say this about you. Um, and this is it. A man or woman after God's own heart. Now, if, I'm just telling y'all, if you came up to me and put me on the spot and said, Pastor P, describe yourself in a sentence, that's, that's not anywhere in my, like, I would not say that about me. A man after God's own heart or a woman after, after God's own heart. That's a, 
I mean, that's, when, when I think of that, I think about the person that always gets it right spiritually. They always have the right answer. They always act, react or react in the, in the right way. I mean, they're always getting it right. And one thing I know about me is that I'm not always getting it right. I mean, the, the big joke that I always tell is, hey, just Google my name and you can tell this is not a description of me. But if you want to get more real, it's not the stuff on Google that, that I feel like disqualifies me. It's the stuff that isn't on there. Hey, would you, what, what about you? Like, if, like if, if your darkest days came to light, what, how would, could, see, all of us wrestle with that. But here's the thing I'm going to tell you. There's people in this room, and there's people watching online that you wouldn't say that about you, but God would. God sees your heart. And you would push back and go, well, I'm not, I'm not perfect. Well, neither was the person that this phrase originated for. We're, the first time we see this phrase is found in 1 Samuel 13, 14, where, Sam, for, for, where, where the Bible says, For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Now, this man is a man called David. We know him as King David. We know David and Goliath, David that fought Goliath, that David. That is a man after God's own heart. But if we know anything about David's life, I mean, it was messed up, wasn't it? I mean, yes, he killed Goliath, but he also committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband murdered, man after God's own heart. So I want to walk you through some qualities that, that a man or a woman after God's own heart would have in their life. And this is based on a psalm that David wrote. David wrote um, many of the psalms found in the book of There you go. I said it was an easy one. Um, found in the book of Psalms. And this psalm was written immediately following, um, well, let's just say, the political system back in David's day was a little different than we have today. In fact, as messed up as you might think our system is today, it's way better than it was in the day of David. Because in the time of David, you had a king, and the king's oldest son was usually the next king, which worked out great unless the ne- your son was an idiot. And, and that's a possibility. So, and, but then the other thing is, if you didn't like the king, you didn't get to vote him out of office, you got like an army together, and you came in and took over. Now, when you took over as the new king, you killed the old king, all the old king's friends, all the old king's family. You killed everybody associated with that king. So David had a son named Absalom, and Absalom decided he wanted to be king, Um, which wouldn't have been a problem because maybe after David died, that could have worked out. But he decided, I don't want to wait for dad to die. I want to be king now. So he goes out, raises an army, and he is marching on Jerusalem to kill David and his entire family. Now, when this happens, many of David's friends rally around him, and they, they all escape. But there's a few of them that goes, you know what, Dave? Peace out. We've enjoyed hanging out with you, but since you're going to die, we're going to go over to the other side. That's, and so they turned their back on David. They abandoned him. They, they walked away from him during his, deepest, during his deepest need. And so that's what's going on 
in this psalm where David is writing about this situation, a lot of scholars believe he's writing about it as he's leaving Jerusalem. So within all this, five qualities, five qualities that we're going to see that people after God's own heart will have in their lives. Number one, first thing we see about David is he was feeling overwhelmed. You ever felt overwhelmed? Moms, have you ever felt overwhelmed? Let me help you. This will be a trigger. Mommy, 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 mommy. Dads, I didn't understand why my dad spent so much time in the bathroom (laughs) until I became a dad. You get it now, don't you, dads? Like, he had the paper. We got our phones. You're in the bathroom, kids knocking on. What? I'm going to the bathroom. The little hand come under the door, right? And you're like, what are you doing in there? I'm building a rocket. <laughs> all of us, all of us have felt overwhelmed. Now, here's the myth. Here's the myth. Here's the myth. People that love Jesus don't get overwhelmed. It doesn't matter what happens to them. They always have a smile on their face and a song in their heart. They know Christ. That's not true. They're on crack. That's more of the reality. I'm feeling way more loose in this service than I did the last one. I don't know what it is. Watch this. Now, David starts his writing out, and this is the first thing he says about this situation. Remember, his son's coming to kill him, and his whole family and his friends have betrayed him. He says this, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. In other words, God, please hear me. God, I'm desperate. In other words, he's not even sure that God's listening. Isn't it funny that we know that God heard us when we cussed, but we wonder if he heard us when we prayed? I mean, isn't that funny? Like, I just wrestle with that. I don't know if anybody else does. But he said, listen to my prayer. And then he says this, please listen and answer me, for I am, on three, one, two, three, overwhelmed. David, 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 come here, come here. Listen, you are a man after God's own heart. So you can't tell people that you're overwhelmed. Go back on Facebook, I mean Facebook, and tell people <laughs> that you're okay. But David, David was like, nah, I'm just, I'm just telling you how I feel right now. David said, I am overwhelmed by my troubles. So if you're here today and you're feeling a little overwhelmed, it doesn't mean you're not godly. It confirms you're human. Then he says this. This is where it gets crazier. He said, my enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. He said, it's not that I'm just overwhelmed. It's that people are literally talking about me and coming after me with their words. Now, when I was a kid, I went to a local Baptist church near my house on Wednesday nights. My mom let me go, and they had this thing at a little Baptist church called RAs. And if you grew up in a Baptist world, it's like kids' ministry on Wednesday nights. And it was first through sixth grade boys. And, and, and the RA leaders were... Um, that they had to go into rehab after they worked with first through sixth grade boys in a Baptist church. But 
um, our RA leader asked us, do we want to be in a basketball tournament? And then we all said yes. Now, we are a, this was a country church. We're out in the middle of the country. We didn't know anything about basketball, but one of our friends had a basketball goal at his house, and we'd go and shoot, and we thought, well, we can shoot. How hard is this? And we're going to enter this tournament. And when we entered this tournament, we thought, man, we might, like, what happens if we win this thing? I mean, do we get a trophy, and will the pastor recognize us? And it was a single elimination tournament. We showed up, and, um, and, 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 and the, the score of the first game was 50 to four. We scored four. Two on accident. We did it like one kid just like freaked out and threw it up and went in. We were like, yeah. Here's what I remember about that game. It's not the score. It's the junk that the other team talked to us as we're losing. Like, y'all shouldn't be on the floor. And by the end of the game, I'm like, you're right. We shouldn't. I don't even know why we're here. And like the names that they called me, the names that they taught, the, the, the things they said about me, the things they said about my mom. Some of you are like, this was church league? Obviously, you've never played church league anything. It's rougher than rec league, all right? I'm just, I'm just saying I wasn't overwhelmed by the actual loss of the game. I was overwhelmed by the stuff that people were saying to me as I was losing. If you've ever been overwhelmed, you've been in that exact same situation. Because there are people in this room, you feel completely overwhelmed by a circumstance. You walked in the door today and you had a smile on your face, but in your heart you're feeling completely overwhelmed. And it's not just, and, and by the way, let me just pause and say this because I'm sick and tired of hearing it. And I, every time I hear it's like the more I preach on it, the more I hear it. I'm sick of people saying, well, God, you know, my grandma used to tell me that God will never put more on you than you can handle. Well, your grandma was stupid, all right, because she got it wrong. Because if God did not allow more to be put on us than we could handle, then where would we discover our need for him to begin with? When we feel overwhelmed, that doesn't mean we turn away from God. That means we turn to God and acknowledge, I need you. I can't do this without you. But it's not just the, the situation. It's the voices that attack you when you're in that situation. It's the voices that talk junk about you. It's the people that talk to you, talk down to you. And it's not only that the voices outside or even the voices on social media, for some of us, it's the voices in our head. It's the voices in your head that tell you you're not enough. You'll never recover from that mistake. That's what you did. It's, what you, it's all you'll ever be. Where did those voices come from? I'm glad you asked. We start a series on spiritual warfare next week. I hope you're here. I'm just saying today, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling overwhelmed, it does not disqualify you from being a man or a woman after God's own heart. In fact, it might be an indicator that that's who you are. It gets a little bit more rich. I hope y'all can handle this. This is going to be fun. Number two, a desire to escape. I just, I need to get away from everything, everybody. A desire to escape. Now, I've told you all before, when I fly, I hadn't fly, flown a long time. I used to fly a lot, fly first class. And I'm, you, too many people dismiss that. I fly first class because I saved up points. And, da, 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 and they, they excuse it. I don't excuse it. I fly first class because I paid to fly first class. 
Must be nice. It is. I hope you can do it one day. It's, it's, it's awesome. I'm also 6'6", and the last time I flew in coach, I literally almost got into a fight, All, like fist fight with the guy. But different story. It was his fault. I was just trying to be God's... Anyway, <laughs> circle back. So I'm, I'm sitting in my first class seat. On this flight, a lady gets on a plane, and she's got a baby. And the baby all smiles, and it's kind of cooing. It's like the cute cooing baby. It's like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that is so cute. And everybody's turning around, and the baby had fat little cheeks and, and everything. And it was great. And then as soon as the plane took off, Satan possessed the child. <laughs> because, no, no, the baby didn't start crying. The baby started screaming. And everybody, I know there's somebody in the room going, oh, poor baby. The Poor me. Because I'm in front of this kid. And I'm like, you know what? I understand babies scream on planes because the ears, the baby's ears have to get adjusted to the pressure. I get all that. I get all that. But like 30 minutes later, I, I had this twitch. <laughs> and, then, you know, the flight attendant came back and talked to the woman and said, could you calm your baby down? She's like, I wish I knew. I mean, the, the mom felt helpless and and, and I had a desire to escape. So about an hour in, I was like, you know what? They give free drinks in first class. And I'm not drinking right now. But you know what? Give my drinks to the baby. I mean, but because I <laughs> fill that bottle full of gin and just let that baby go to sleep. About another 30 minutes into that flight, I would have honestly preferred to jump out of the plane with a, I had a, what you would call a desire to escape. And everybody in this room has been in a situation where you're like, God, if I could just get out of this. Well, David was in that situation. He's, he's leaving Jerusalem and he's with a group of people and there's a plan to try to regroup or whatever. But this is what he said. Now, I want you to watch how honest and real David is with this. Watch this. He said, my heart pounds in my chest. My heart, don't, don't miss that. My heart pounds in my chest and the terror of death assaults me. Hold, now, now watch this. Watch this. It's very important because somebody's about to get blessed. Fear and trembling overwhelm me and I can't stop shaking. That's a panic attack. exactly what that is. And you'll hear people, oh, if you, you love Jesus, you wouldn't have panic attacks. Yeah, it's, those are people I'd love to lay hands on. I'm just being honest. That This is a man after God's own heart writing in the scriptures. I literally can't slow my heart rate down. I'm having a panic attack. And then he says this. Then I'm about to, <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. Then I would fly away and rest. Now, I heard somebody use that text one time and say that's where the song I Fly Away came from. Y'all know that song? I fly away. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> Didn't come from here. Because I fly away, that's a fun song. That's like I'm leaving. I'm going to be with Jesus. David is like, no, nah, I get, get away from all you fools. I get away from everybody. People trying to kill me. People not trying to kill me. Then he said this. I would fly far away. Said it, said it twice. Said it verse 6, said it verse 8, you're like, David, you just said that. You'd fly away, you'd fly away to the quiet of the wilderness. And then he said, how quickly I would escape. Far from this wild storm of hatred, David wanted to escape. 
Now, David had escaped before. The, 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 and in 2 Samuel chapter 11, the army goes off to war. David doesn't go with them, sees Bathsheba, commits adultery, that, and he escaped. And escaping is a major temptation for us today. Pastor P, how do we escape? Alcohol? Hey, can I be real with y'all? Because the first service, it took them a minute to warm up to this. But I just promised y'all that I would always be truthful with y'all. Getting drunk feels really good. Yeah, a few more amens. Other people are like, I mean, amen, but I don't want to say that too loud. No, no, it, it feels really good. No, it doesn't. Obviously, you've never experienced it. it does. In fact, it's that little buzz feeling right before you get there. If I could figure out how to just stay that way, I'd just, I'd just be all happy. Getting drunk feels, it's awesome. Now, the next morning, that's not awesome. Like when you got your head in a toilet and you're praying, God, I'll never do it again. Like that's, right? And, you, and people have asked, well, why do people escape to alcohol? Well, it's the pain. And you know what's funny? In the church, especially in the South, people escape to alcohol. But, you know, we, we escape to other things. Food. Only in the, the church in the South will somebody that escapes food look down on somebody that escapes to alcohol. We okay? Netflix? Oh, it just got real, didn't it? <laughs> you do understand when you say I binged two seasons in two days, that's not normal. Drugs? Now, I'm just telling you that every one of us in this room, we've, we either are escaping to something unhealthy or we want to. It's a battle. David acknowledged right here, I want to escape. But he had done that before and he knew it didn't work out long term. I've said this before, I'll say it again, because it's something that I've learned, and I learned it from Scripture, and I learned it from life. you got to be careful what you escape to, because the thing we escape to is eventually the thing we'll have to escape from. So for those that are wrestling with wanting to escape to something unhealthy that you know long-term is not good for you, David did too. I was talking... I've, I, you know what? I have, I have some wonderful conversations. And uh, I'll never will share names, but I love it when people are just honest with me. And, they, and, 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 and for some reason, <laughs> in the past, people always wanted to share their success stories with me. But I've had so many conversations over the past few weeks with people that have fallen off the wagon with something they've escaped to. And, and I will not tell you the circuit. I just, I, and I literally have locked eyes with them and said, it's not a problem that you fell down. It's not a problem that you're fighting. The problem happens when you stop fighting and you don't care anymore. 
So if you're fighting that desire to escape and you've fallen down recently, get back up, dust yourself off, keep moving forward, and let's win this fight because you can. Which leads to, which leads to number three, despair. Now I'm going to get all of y'all to admit something that you might not want to admit. If you were honest... Just about every person in this room, I would say every person, but there's always one. There's always one going, not me. And, and I just, I'm just want to say nearly every person would have to admit, you got it good. I'm not saying you don't have problems. You got first world problems. I'm just saying you got it good. I got two that's rights and one amen, and that's all I got out of you got it good. Okay, let me just kind of, let me, let me prove it to you. How many of you woke up inside this morning? You woke up inside. Okay, raise, raise your hand. Dear God, you're not freaking camping. <laughs> How many of you, when you woke up inside, you walked into a kitchen and you had options when it came to what you wanted to eat? Come on, options, options, options. Raise, yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't that great? You had options. Then you walked in your closet. And you had options on what you needed to wear, what you want. Okay, yeah. And then you looked at those options and said, I don't have anything to wear, right? <laughs> you drove here in a climate-controlled vehicle. You walked into a climate-controlled building where we always keep it cold on purpose because women wear clothes. I um, mean, like... like we got it good. But if you watch the media, they love to freak you out and cause you to have despair over things that probably aren't going to happen anyway. For example, 15 months ago, 15 months ago, grown adults with three-digit IQs sat around and worried and freaked out over toilet paper. People were calling me. I people, hey man, hey man, hey man, I'm at Target. Okay? They got some toilet paper. Can you can you grab me something? No, 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 no. They're limiting the number. People were freaking out. People were literally worried, stressed, panic attacks over toilet paper. Now I've been alive 50 years. I don't know of a single person ever that died because they could not wipe their butt. <laughs> hey, man, did you hear about Frank? Hmm. What happened Frank? <laughs> On the toilet, man. <laughs> Couldn't wipe his butt, just... Went right there. Man, that stinks. I mean, like we could go keep going all day. That's fine. But isn't that true that, that when, when something bad happens, all of our attention goes on that bad thing and we forget how blessed we are? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying y'all do this. I'm saying we do this. David did too. David was blessed. David was super blessed, but he's going through this issue, and sometimes if we don't watch it, the issue becomes the focus of our life. Watch what he said. He said, 
Confuse them, O Lord, and frustrate their plans. For I see violence and conflict in the city. Its walls are patrolled day and night against invaders, but the real danger is wickedness within the city. Then he says this, everything is falling apart. Now, if you could have pulled him to the side and said, David, everything, like, you got two arms, two legs, you're walking, you're breathing, you're healthy, you got some people around you, you got some food, like, everything is falling apart. But that happens when we get in the middle of a situation that causes us despair. We will focus more on the circumstance than we do anything else. Threats and cheating are rampant in the streets. Let me tell you what despair does. Despair makes us less aware that God is right there with us. Despair makes us less aware that God is right there with us. You think as David was writing this psalm, he was thinking, one day in a few thousand years, this is going to be in a book called the Bible and people are going to read it and be inspired. No. Isn't it crazy how God can take our mess and, and turn it into a miracle, how he can, he can do stuff like that. But I'm telling the person here today that you feel like everything's falling apart, everything's going to hell in a handbasket, life is not, like you feel absolutely overwhelmed with despair. So did David. A man after God's own heart. Which leads to number four, anger. You ever gotten mad? I don't, let's just get real. Let's just talk about driving for a second. Let's just talk about, let's talk about, now, my daughter was in the last service, so I had to be careful, but, but this service, I feel a little bit more free. Like when you're in the car and you're at a red light and there's one car in front of you and the light goes from red to green, how long do you give that person to go before, like, because they're texting, right? Because so, that's right, that's where you catch up. How long do you give them to go before you, how many of you have ever blown the horn at somebody like that? Believe you've blown the horn, okay? The rest of y'all that don't have your hands up? <laughs> Liars go to hell. All right, so <laughs> I got like a rule. Like I, I got like the three-second rule. Like if nobody's with me in the car, it's three seconds. If Karis is with me, I try to count to five. But, but, but it makes me angry. And, and I'm talking about you, you can be angry. Now, some people go, well, if you're truly a man or a woman after God's own heart, there's no way you could be angry. Really? How can you look at a situation like human trafficking in the world and not be angry? How could that not anger you? It's a, it's a sin to sin when you're angry. But being angry is not a sin. In the Bible, we see that God got angry, but God has never sinned. David gets angry. But David, like there's righteous anger and unrighteous anger. And unrighteous anger, how many of you know that un unrighteous anger can take you to a dark place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. David goes dark. I'm about to show you it gets dark for David. It, he goes from righteous anger to unrighteous anger. Because it's righteous anger. Like somebody's trying to kill him, take over the throne. That's righteous anger, right? And you can be mad about that. But he goes dark. Watch this. It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly 
insult me. I could have blocked them or hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, and close friend. Most people think he was talking about a man named Ahithophel who went from his side to Absalom's side. Then he says this, what good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Let death stalk my enemies. He's praying to God, God, kill them. It gets worse. Watch what he says. Let the grave swallow them alive, for evil makes its home with them. Now, grave in this particular text is the Hebrew word sheol, which can also be translated hell. This is David's prayer. I hope they die and go to hell. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But when you tell somebody, go to hell, that's, that's pretty dark. You're literally saying, I hope you go to a place and burn for eternity. I will never forget. I was trying to work with a couple one time, guy and a girl, and they, and they were like done. And the girl's crying. The, the guy was crying. It's actually the guy was crying, and the girl was like this. I mean, she had had enough. And they're going back and forth. And he's like, but I love you. And he's like, she's like, I don't love you. I was like, oh god, okay. I don't know how I'm gonna handle this. And then I was thinking maybe we had a breakthrough. And 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 he until he she said something and he screamed at her, well, go to hell then. And I went, okay. I just <laughs> you, don't, you don't recover from the go to hell bomb, okay? I, I'm just saying, that's, can, can we all agree that's dark? Okay, but he's a, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's a man after God's own heart. How does he get to keep that title if he says, God, I hope they all die and go to hell? Well, it's pretty simple. David wasn't a man after God's own heart because of his purity, but rather because of his honesty. I mean, if you're, if you're going to put a poster child up for purity, it's not going to be David. But he was honest. Now, here's what I want to say because I don't want anybody leaving feeling like you got a Tell people to go to hell free card. I'm, I got some people I'm texting. In fact, I'm texting right now. I'm in church. <laughs> go to hell. Like, don't do that. Hold off on sending that text, okay? And here's the reason I would say that. David was honest with God. God, I am mad. I am angry. In fact, this is what I want you to do to my enemies. Here's why he's a man after God's own heart. After he said this, there's no record of him ever saying it again. He showed God his hurt, and God healed him of that hurt. That's what makes him a man after God's own heart. You see, as long as you keep that anger hidden, God will not heal it. I had somebody tell me one day, God cannot heal it. Let's be careful on what we say God can and cannot do, okay? I'm just telling you, as long as you hold anger in, 
God will not heal that hurt. But once you express that anger, now, if you're still expressing it three months later, that's, that's, a, that's a serious problem. David just told God in the moment how he felt, never mentioned it again, and God healed him, not because he was so pure, but because he was so honest. Which leads me to the last thing that somebody, and, and listen, there's some people in this room, you've lost this. Hopefully you'll find encouragement. Hope. Hope. If you're a Clemson fan, this is something we've lost. <laughs> uh, yeah, go y'all y'all are number one. Y'all are great this year. Y'all are wonderful. As we we have well, I had I did some thinking about it. And I just remember back in 2016, we were playing for the national championship against Alabama. Some of you remember that game? It was out in Arizona. Now, I went. And the reason I went to that game is because I thought I was good luck. <laughs> because I was at the game January 1st, 1982, when Clemson beat Nebraska 22 to 15 in the Orange Bowl. I was there. I was young, but I was there. So I went to this game. And it was awesome. Flew out with some friends, stayed at the team hotel, had 50-yard line tickets about 15 rows up, and it was fun. It was great. Everything was wonderful. We lost. It, we did. And that wasn't so wonderful. That was, that was January 2016. January 2017, Clemson played Alabama again. But my circumstances had changed a little bit. I wasn't at the game. In fact, I wasn't even with any friends. I watched the game by myself. My life had pretty much fallen apart. I was barely hanging on. Watching this Clemson game, two minutes and seven seconds left to go in the game. Alabama scores and goes up 31-28. I was mad. I would have thrown the remote control, but I wasn't staying in my house. I was staying at somebody else's place. They just let me crash. So I was, just, I, was just, I was just angry. And I was ready to turn the game off, but I was like, no, nah, anything could happen. And if you remember watching that game, Clemson just drove down the field, drove down the field, and with one second left on the clock, Deshaun hit that. You remember that? And I just I jumped straight in the air. I was just, I was just cheering. And, and for a few moments, I was celebrating the Clemson win. But God spoke to me and gave me something that I hadn't had in a really long time in that moment. God spoke to me and said, you remember when you didn't turn the game off because there was still time on the clock? There's still time on your clock, too. You can still play this game. It's not over. And I don't say that. To be anybody's hero, I'm telling you, I don't know what you're going through, but there's still time on the clock for you to drive down the field and win this thing. You are not a victim. In Christ, you have victory and you can overcome. You know how I know this? Because David, David, 
just verbally vomited on us. Did he not? This is why you know nobody made up the Bible. Because if people had made up the Bible, they wouldn't have put stuff like this in it. They'd have put like, I am awesome and I'm perfect. But David's like, my life sucks and I hope my people go to hell. Like he's, he's just going crazy. But then he says this, but I will call on God and the Lord will rescue me. It's almost like he pauses in the middle. He goes, but you know what? But you know what? He's got me this far. And I'm, he's, I, don't, I don't know how, but he's going, he's going to rescue me. Morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress. In other words, David said, I'm just going to, every time I get worried about this, I'm just going to take it to him. Every time I get freaked out, I'm going to take it to him. I don't care if it's morning, noon, or night. And I know, I know he's going to hear my voice. He ransoms me and keeps me safe from the battle waged against me, though many still oppose me. I mean, David's, all of a sudden, his circumstances has not changed. But once he gets all of this out, his perspective starts changing. And he starts remembering how good God is. And he goes, you know, I, I think he's got me. He, he brought me through the time I fought the lion. And he brought me through the time I fought the bear. And he brought me through the time I fought the giant. And he brought me through the time I fought the battle. And I think he didn't bring me this far to just drop me so he still got me. And he, God who rules forever will hear me and humble them. For my enemies refuse to change their ways. They do not fear God. Then he says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Give your burdens to the Lord. In fact, some of you walked in here and you got a burden. This guy's on your back. You carried it. You got a burden. And, and David says, just give that to the Lord. Because he won't let the godly slip or fall. And some of you push back and go, but I'm not godly. Why? Because you're feeling overwhelmed. You have a desire to escape. You're dealing with anger. You feel covered in despair. That doesn't mean you're not godly. It simply is a confirmation that we have to turn to God because we can't handle this on our own. And it takes us, listen, I wish that I could just say, come forward for prayer and I'll lay hands on you. And as soon as I put my hands on you and pray this magic prayer, that everything in your life will be changed. I wish I could do it. Man, I'd sit here and pray all day. I can't. You've heard me say it a million times. It's not our circumstances that has to change. It's our perspective. Because most of us, including me, say it's easy to say, God, I'll worship you when you work. Oh, you go, I'm going to get a raise? Praise God. I'm going to get the new job? Praise God. I, my kids are going to get into school? Praise God. Like, like we, we, when God's working, we worship. But David, a man after God's own heart, the mantra of his life was, God, I'll worship you even when it hurts. It's easy to worship when things are going great. But David lists out all the things that's going on. David is hurt. Can we admit that David was hurt? He was hurt emotionally. People were trying to hurt him physically. He was hurting spiritually. He was hurting in just about every way that people in this room and watching online are hurting today. But he had a breakthrough. 
And the breakthrough didn't come because God changed his circumstances. It took a while for that to happen. God changed his perspective. He was like, God, I'm in so much pain. But God, there's still time left on the clock. So I'll worship you even when it hurts. So Father, over these next few moments, as we sit and reflect, God, on the fact that you brought us to this place today to hear this word, God, and for those that are hurt in this room, watching online, Father, I pray over these next few moments that we'll just say here, God, take my, take my hands and take my tears and take, take all of this, God, and I just, I'm just going to give this burden to you. And God, even though I hurt, God, I still choose. I still choose to put my faith in you, knowing that you are good and you ultimately work out everything for good. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Father, I want to thank you today, God, that you meet us in our hurts and ultimately you bring about healing. May we stand for closing prayer. Father, as we're standing here today, God, with open hearts, May we be so open to what you want to do in us in this moment. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe, maybe you walked in here with hurt. And right now, you just need to turn that over. You, just, you need to take that burden, just like David said, and literally hand it to Jesus. You could almost imagine yourself like literally saying, here, Jesus, take this. Take this hurt. Take, take this overwhelming situation that God I want I'm giving that I'm giving this to you I'm leaving it with you I can't handle this but you can maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ you've never asked Jesus into your life and you realize that you need Christ that Jesus will save you he'll come into your life he'll make you a brand new person all you've got to do is ask him so right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want to ask Christ to come into your life, you can just pray this in your heart. You can just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. Take everything. I surrender to you heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ to come into your life, will you do me a favor if you're in the room and just put your hand straight up in the air, just put it straight up in the air and just thank you so much and you can put it right back down, amen. If you're online, you can do the same with a hand raise, amen, amen. Father, I want to thank you for these lifted hands. I want to thank you, Jesus, for changing lives. I pray that each person that raised their hand, Jesus, would be filled with the knowledge, Jesus, that you love them that you are in them and from this day forward they can overcome anything that comes against them father i pray for every single person in this room that had hurt god that handed it to you i pray god that they would be able to let it go 
that put it in your hands and to let you do what you do and work it out in your time for your good and for your glory. Father, I pray as we walk out of this place today, we would walk out of here knowing that you love us, that you have a plan for us, that it really is greater than we could ever imagine. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. We love you, and we ask this in your name. Everybody that greets said, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Man, me too. You guys have an awesome week. We'll see you back here tonight at 5 o'clock.